Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is the one and only, often imitated, but never duplicated, never duplicated <laughs> real estate investing mastery podcast. Glad you're here. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing good, man. Awesome. Looking forward to another good call today. I am too. This is, I am, I am, I'm, I'm proud to admit, uh, my, our first Hispanic guest, Luis, how you doing? <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Joe. Uh, well, doing no. great, man. <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're all about diversity here. And uh, <laughs> absolutely, we've we've had only a few women on. We've had a couple African Americans. Now we have our first Hispanic. So this is history. Wow, it's all about race and gender on your end. Like, okay, no, all right. just I... being all inclusive. <laughs> sometimes right. we're we're just we're we're just boring sometimes, and I think we need to <laughs> to spice it up. You know, and, and I mean this in all seriousness. I grew up in Southern California. And uh, I had a lot of Hispanic friends. And um, when I moved to Iowa, go figure, I didn't have any any Hispanic friends. I lost all of my my Mexican friends. And um, I kind of missed that. And uh, my best friend was named Henry Mancia. And um, we we kind of were, were really good friends for about four years. And, you know, just had I had to move to Iowa. My parents split up. It's a long story. But that's not what this podcast is about. Um, uh, we're going to talk with Luis about some really cool things that he's doing in Southern California, which is a really difficult market. And um, Luis is just crushing it there right now. And I really like what he's doing with um, branching out into new markets. But first, got to tell you guys, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can listen to a lot of really cool previous episodes um, some great interviews that we've done. We're starting to put more just regular, normal content out there as well. And also, um, let's see, if you leave us a review, um, you can get like a podcast a, a week or two ago from when we were going to release this one. There's a little short, little five minute video and you get some really cool, uh, free stuff. If you leave us a review in iTunes, um, I'm giving away two of my books, the PDF version of those books. One is called Being Brilliant at the Basics. The other one's called uh, Flipping Houses While on Vacation. By the way, Alex, have you written a book? I have not written a book yet. Oh. I hear I hear that's something I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Or should I say spoken a book? <laughs> <laughs> I just I spoke. I'm not a writer. All, well, all we did is we took some webinars and got them transcribed and turned them into books. But they're really, really good books. And I also included an uh, all-day Saturday workshop I did in Colorado Springs recently on the topic of wholesaling lease options. You can get all that stuff for free if you leave us a review on iTunes or in Stitcher. And if you go to a previous episode, I think we released it the early first week in October, you get all that stuff for free. So leave a review in iTunes and send my assistant an email, and we'll send you all this, all that stuff for free. It's really cool. But you can also get the Fast Cash Survival Kit, and um, which is really cool. Alex and I break down our business and even though we did that a few years ago, it's still really relevant. We're still doing the same things today. Um, I think you still have the same VA. That we yep. do, we, yeah. Same VA, same process, just keeps going. 
<laughs> you know, direct mail has always worked. It always will work. Um, postcards are my best favorite source of leads right now. Um, so this business is pretty predictable, whether the market's going up or down. Marketing, the reason why Alex and I and Luis are so successful is we're consistently doing marketing. We've figured out what works. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, we still occasionally chase our shiny objects, <laughs> right? But uh, we're, stay, we're staying consistent with the basic stuff that you're supposed to do all the time. Well, the key is you keep doing what's right and what you know that works and keep that going. And then you can branch off into trying different things. Yeah. So if those different things don't work, you still have your bread and butter that's working. So the key is to get that working and then you can look at other avenues and look at other things that you could add to your marketing channels um, if if they work. But always keep the old faithful going. Yes, that's right. Luis, I'm glad you're on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, no, it's an honor, Joe and Alex. Um, I'm a longtime follower of you guys and uh, – Always, always tune in to get a laugh or two. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Are we that funny? I didn't think we were that funny. <laughs> I, I still get people that comment all the time about um, Jason Kidd and how you thought he was white. Do you remember that? Me? Yeah. <laughs> that so, guy is white. <laughs> Luis, do you know? do you follow basketball at all? Not really, Joe. Okay. Not really. Never mind. It's um, <laughs> all good. Jason Kidd is a legend, though. He's good. Right, but how about those Cardinals? Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I remember. Uh, yeah, I got two checks uh, right in front of me for 7500 bucks, totaling $7,500 about and change. I, I'm not kidding, Alex. I never talked to the seller, never saw the house. I have no idea. I don't know anything about these houses. I just have these checks. That's my kind of checks. I love these kinds of deals. That's one of those. Oh, yeah. It's really simple, right? I find a wholesaler that's doing a bunch of deals, and I say, hey, why don't I do the marketing for you? I'll pre-screen the leads. I'll put them in Podio, and then you go do your magic, get them under contract, and sell them and split the profits. And I'm doing that with mm-hmm. a few in a few different markets right now, and I think it's similar to what um, Luis is going to be talking about here soon. But, um, yeah, I love it. I, you know, I forgot. I, I'm just not as, as on top of the stuff as I should be. And these checks were a total surprise. And even though they've been telling me that they were coming, they're just a great surprise. I love this business. 7,500 bucks, man. Sweet. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Okay. So Luis, yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't even, I did get a check yesterday too for $239. Wow, that must have been a big deal. Two, I made hundreds of dollars. Wow. Was the dude's assignment fee like 500 bucks? Those are the ones that put you ahead, Joe. <laughs> yeah. two, well, you know, it was $239. We know what it was. Is a, it was a referral to a realtor. We referred okay. a deal to a realtor, and, and my half of the, uh, the fee was $239. But the oh, crazy. Hey, that's groceries right there, man. Well, but, but it gets worse. Oh, it gets better. Um, it gets better. <laughs> I promised my VA a $100 bonus for every deal that he does. And I never gave him any kind of, you know, like prerequisite of, well, the profit has to be at least oh, 300 bucks. One of those. <laughs> I had to cut him a $100 check. Well, you know, I paid him through Odesk. 100 bucks. 
So my real profit on this thing is... You're a man of integrity. $139. Got to keep your word, Joe. Yeah, I can't go back on my VA and say, oh, you know what, I'm sorry, this isn't... So he's happy, right? He's going to be working harder to do more of these deals, and which is just a tip for everybody out there. You know, you can... If you have people working for you, you need to give them some kind of bonus incentive to um, to do the good to do a good work and to to keep up uh, what they're doing. And um, so, absolutely. Okay, Luis, you're where do you live, man? I'm in San Diego, Joe. That's I'm right. in San Diego. I'm originally from Mexico, Mexicali, Baja California. Uh, but we've been in. Uh, I've been in San Diego since 2003. Okay. And Luis, you weren't you weren't offended by my calling you out as Hispanic. Did I did I use the right words? And... <laughs> Absolutely, a little spicy, but uh, you know it's all <laughs> it's <good>. close. <laughs> <laughs> no, and 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 it, it, I really did have a lot of Hispanic friends, and I'm I'm not being um, what's the word um, facetious or um, patronizing when I say that. Um, I do miss going to my friend's house and eating his mother's cooking. Um, it's just, it's just something different. And you don't get that at the Mexican restaurants in St. Louis. Right. Um, but anyway, well, thank God for my wife. You know, she does some great, great Mexican cooking and, uh, yeah, you know, God, I'm very grateful for that. What's, what's your favorite meal that she makes? Because I love Mexican food. If anybody knows me and you come, you know, we come hang out, we're going to go to a Mexican restaurant and I'm going to get the guacamole where the guy comes over to the table and mashes it with his whatever <laughs> and makes it right in front of you. I love that stuff along with the, with the chicken and steak fajitas. That's my oh, yeah. staple. I love the enchiladas and her, uh, they call there's a plate called Chile relleno, uh-huh. which is pretty much stuffed chili, uh, like a big jalapeno that's stuffed with a uh, chicken and, you know, cheese and, oh man, it's really, really good. You know, one of the things, Luis, when I was in San Diego, I'd always go and buy, I still do this whenever I'm there. I go and buy a carne asada burrito. <clears throat> and the way they make them in the restaurants there, it's just a tortilla with some strips of steak and pico de gallo and guacamole and some extra cilantro. And it's just a regular <laughs> burrito, right? Right, right. Nobody you get the California burrito. That's well that's and it's got uh the French fries in it and stuff like that. Well, <laughs> no, no, I don't want that. But nobody anywhere West or east of the California border knows what that is. I always have to explain. Is that a Southern California type of burrito only? Or why do I get these these deer in a headlight look when I'm explaining this to the waiter at a Mexican restaurant what I'm looking for? You know, um, I think it is. I think it is because um, I know that even happens like even in Mexico. Uh, in the border towns, they sell the, you know, the flour tortillas, but the, the you, if you go south, yeah. they mainly have, um, you know, just corn tortillas. Okay. You know, and it might be the same type of situation here in Southern California. As you head out, you know, they kind of gravitate away from the burrito. <laughs> <laughs> I remember as a kid, and, and we're... T- we're not talking about real estate right now, but I just yeah, all we, these memories. We've got to get back to real estate instead of the food. <laughs> all right. Well, one more thing. 
I used to go yeah. to San Felipe all the time down in Baja, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we used to get the best fish tacos from some street vendor. Oh, it was so good. And I was like 13 oh, years old, God. and I'd go into the the to, to the convenience store there and buy uh, some beer for my mom and her husband. <laughs> so anyway, Those are the best street vendors. I wouldn't. You know? I didn't drink the beer, but I could buy it. I bought it for them. They gave me the cash. So, Luis, you live in San Diego. Uh, talk a little bit about your story, man. How did you get started uh, with real estate? What were you doing before that? So, um, you know, I came to San Diego in 2003. Um, and, like, I, you know, I've shared a couple times in the past. But I used to kind of keep my story a little bit on the, on you know, on the low, low, you know, low profile. But, um, you know, it's, it's my story. And it was, you know... I, you know, it, it was given for, to me, so I know I lived it so that I can share it, and, uh, you know, um, that's the way I see it now. So, you know, I kind of had a rough background when I was growing up. I came from good families, from, you know, a great family. Uh, my dad's a doctor, you know, mom's a housewife, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I always hung out with the, with the wrong crowd, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I grew up... Uh, you know, always going against the grain, you know, getting in fights, kicked out of school, stuff like that. When I came to San Diego, you know, I, I did the same thing and I uh, ended up in in some bad places, you know, and uh, to God the glory, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, doing um, you know some drug trafficking and things like that. And I ended up in jail. That was when my life I decided, you know, that my life had to change. Oh, this was in 2007. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I decided that, uh, you know, when everything's taken from you, your freedom, you know, the last thing, you're not even thinking about material things. You're only thinking about, I want that, you know, walk on the beach with my family or, you know, my wife or, yeah. you know, those, those are the things that really matter to you and, uh, you know, when that freedom was taken from me, I just decided that that was it, you know, and, uh, I don't, I didn't care what, 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 what would come next. So I just knew that I, I wanted to be, you know, the man, you know, I believe in God and, uh, you know, I respect any, anything, you know, you guys believe, I know you do Joe. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to be the man that God called me to be. And, you know, I, I, um, came out in 2009 and I got married to my wife. We had a daughter and I started selling phones on eBay. You know, I've always been an entrepreneur, um, you know, started, you know, shipping uh, phones to China and things like that. You um, shipped phones to China or from yeah, China? Yeah, it's a funny thing, you know. You were basically flipping, there. flipping phones, I was flipping essentially. Phones. <laughs> exactly. I was flipping phones, and, you know, it's funny because they made them over there. They ship them over here, but then we shipped them back. And wow. some people paid high high prices. You know, we're, it was mainly when Blackberries were in, and, you know, the iPhone was, you know, was pretty hot. At the time. I mean, it's still super hot, but, you know, when the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 3GS and all those. So yeah. I was in that business with a partner. We, we, we ended up going our separate ways. And, um, I met a guy in Riverside that wanted, uh, he built houses, you know, him and his brother and his dad, his name is Hector. 
they they just you know bought land and they built houses with their own hands. So they told me, hey, uh, if you know anybody that wants to build, you know we're ready to build. So I had a re- I have a relative in Mexico, um, and he had some extra cash laying around. He's a wealthy man, and I brought the idea. I said, hey, you want to build a house uh, in Riverside? And he said, yeah. You know how much can we make? You know I kind of just told her I I didn't even know what I was doing to be honest, but you know I sold the I pitched him the idea, he liked it, and he invested. And I was pretty much the project manager. We bought a lot for like uh, fifteen thousand in the ghetto, and we built a you know custom, you know super nice little spec house. This what year was this? And this was in two thousand ten. Okay. So that was kind of my entry into real estate even though I had no idea what I was doing. At the end of the day, we ended up breaking even on that property. And this was like in two, we had barely sold in 2013 after that. So, so after that, my wife and I were looking at Zillow and, uh, we're looking for houses, uh, you know, to rent, and we were uh, we were thinking of moving up to Temecula because you know you can get a bigger house for for a smaller uh, rent amount per month. Yeah, it's beautiful there. And uh, yeah, and uh, we were look. This was back in uh, 2011. Now we're talking, and I was seeing all these beautiful you know houses on the market. You know, and and I started looking at the history, and I saw that somebody bought them for like 200,000. Neither now they were selling it for 350. And I was like, man, you know, these, and it was like two months after they bought it. So I got pretty interested in that. And uh, my wife and I, we started going down to the auction down in Riverside, just kind of standing around, just seeing how people were doing things. And initially I wanted to rehab houses. So as I started looking online and trying to, you know, I was, you know, I'm the kind of guy when I get an idea and I just start digging and digging and digging until I, I, you know, kind of get to what I'm looking for. And as I was browsing online, I came across a video from Michael Jake in Denver. And oh, yeah. uh, the video is uh, out of 10 ways to buy real estate with no money. So he started talking about, you know, assignments and subject twos and lease options, all this kind of stuff. So I went to his site. I downloaded the little audio he had there, make 5,000 in 30 days or less. And I don't know, it was just like something just, like what something that was waiting to be found inside me just kind of, you know, just woke up after that, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, I got the course from Chris Chico. Oh, I think I've heard of him before. <laughs> Maybe a few times, but by the way, uh, yeah. Mike, we've interviewed Michael Jake on this show before. He's still doing really well. Yeah. In Colorado. Yeah. yeah. I heard, I, I definitely listened to that podcast. Um, so, and I just took action. I started uh, doing direct mail. I had about 4000 bucks left to my name, you know, to for my wife and my daughter. And and bottom line, I, I mean, I was just, I was just going to make it happen no matter what, you know. And uh, I took action and uh, started talking to sellers. I was in my garage day in, day out, just on the phone, on the phone, calling sellers, calling sellers, making offers. Locked up a, a property, couldn't sell it, you know, locked up, I, I think I locked up like three, four properties before I could sell the first one. And um, that's mainly how I got started in real estate and in wholesaling in 2011. You know, after that, 
about three months after I, I locked up a property in Santee over yeah. here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I actually sold it to Todd Tobeck. He was the first guy I ever sold a deal to. And uh, I made $13,000 on that one. And, you know, life was never the same. After that was that. your first so deal? Was, yeah, first deal. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, and then after that, uh, I quickly, about five months in, I quickly decided that I did not want to be talking to sellers. It was not something that I wanted to be doing. Yeah. I hired, I started hiring VAs and, you know, um, it just, I don't know. I must've just not tried it for long enough because I know it works for you guys, but you know, it just didn't work out. I mean, I was, uh, they were kind of butchering my, my leads. Yeah, boy, we could, we, we could talk about that. Yeah. We could talk about that for an hour because it was butchering the leads. Right. The VA. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, get the uh, right. So after that, I, uh, I hired, a, a real estate agent. Uh, her name's Maria. And, um, we've we're working together to this day you know she's my sales manager now at the office you know after that i mean every you know i pretty much handled the marketing and selling the properties she would talk to sellers and lock the deals up so that's interesting um you have by the way i wanted to go back um i love your story louise and thanks for being willing to share that because i know that can be real personal you know um Kind of the Absolutely. what happened that you went through, and thanks for sharing that. How many kids do you have now, by the way? I just have one daughter, Fernanda, and awesome. she's uh, she's about to turn five in next month. Good for you. You plan on having any more? I don't know, Joe. I don't know. I mean, she's a handful. No, uh, come she, on, I think man. She accounts for about three. <laughs> don't be a wimp. You're a wimp. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm Alex. working through it. He's got Alex you, has uh, some wisdom to share about that. I don't. <laughs> I don't know about wisdom. <laughs> but maybe a little craziness. Yeah, life's too absolutely. short, man. But uh, that's not uh, just. I just congratulations on your one, and even if you have only one, that's cool. But you should try to get more. Definitely, <laughs> life is too short, Joe. I was actually thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, this morning, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, months just go by. It seems like Christmas was just, you know, almost yesterday. Yeah. And we're right around the corner again. Okay, cool. All right, so enough about family. Jeez. Um, <laughs> now, um, you, your VAs didn't work out. I'd like to park on that for a little bit because I I hear that all the time. Because, you know, people hear Alex and I talk about how we've, you know, vir- created our business to be virtual and and we can do deals no matter where we're traveling and um mm-hmm. there's bad contractors and there's bad vas that's all it comes down to i can agree to that a hundred percent alex yeah man you know i think if if you go i mean and i'll share with that a little bit on on what i'm doing now you know because we're we're always now we're hiring salespeople, and i've gone through you know quite a few and, uh, after time, you know, every time I, you know, one doesn't work out, I learn something new and I apply it to the next time that I hire somebody. Are you and, paying uh, the, pe- are you paying the salespeople commission wise? 
I'm paying them commission 10% of, um, of the net profit of the deal. And, um, they're going out on all your appointments. Um, they're pretty much guaranteed that they're going to make some money. Um, why would they not work out? They just can't close people. No, and it's not necessarily that they're not closing. It's just uh, more of a behavior issue. Interesting. Um, you know, they you know they kind of they come in, and and yeah, they're they're independent contractors. So when we hire them, we tell them you know legally we can't really, you know, this is what we expect from you. We can't really, you know, have you here. Uh, you know, from time, from a certain time to a certain time, this is where you're going to get your leads, uh, you know, and this is what we, our expectations, but so it's just not, they haven't, uh, the ones that aren't the right fit, they're just not the ones that are meant to be there. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, they come in, they leave early, you know, they work for a, a few hours. They don't, maybe they don't, I mean, don't come in at all and no shows. And, and that's an automatic, you know, we're done. But uh, we have, we found now, um, we have currently four people in the office, office manager and three salespeople, and uh, they're, they are great. They've been there for about six months. Wow. So yeah. now you've got, um, I want to go back to the VAs, because what were you trying to have yeah. the VAs do, Louise? Mainly, uh, and this was back in, in 2012, but what I was having the VAs do is, uh, you know, process the lead, transcribe the message, um, you know, uh, classify the lead, and then call them back for the initial phone call so that, you know, I, I was only to talk to the motivated sellers. Okay. So she would call them back, you know, and then, and, and, you know, ask the basic questions. How much are you asking? Tell me about the property. And, um, and then once we determine the motivation, then I would get on the phone and, and call them to lock up the deal. And that wasn't working. Why do you think? It wasn't working because I had the wrong, um, the wrong virtual assistant, um, that, and I was probably, and, and this is another thing that I, you know, would like to share. I was probably paying her too little. I mean, I was paying her like two fifty an hour. Oh, and lately, you know, I've come to realize that yeah. it's kind of like they say in Spanish, lo barato sale caro. The cheap will ultimately cost you in the end. Right. Huh. You know, it costs That's you more. So like you buy that cheap phone, you buy that cheap, you know, product. At the end of the day, it's going to, you know, it's going to wear out. It's going to malfunction. Then if you just paid the premium to buy the good one, it'll last you a long time. Right. Totally true. I mean... Alex, what do you pay your VA that does your handles your calls for you right now? Eight bucks an hour. Eight bucks, and he gets a bonus too, doesn't he? He does. Yep, hundred bucks bonus per deal. Right. I'm paying mine about uh, an average, probably five to six dollars an hour. But um, mm. it's yeah, you got to pay. You get what you pay for. But again, you've, it's it's. I could say I'm pretty lucky on how I found mine, but. Um, I don't know. I, I get a ton of people that call me and ask me, Hey, I've tried what you say to do and it doesn't work. I have, I haven't been able to find that VA and that's fine, but there's other ways to do it. And that's why I wanted to talk with you, Luis, because you've, you've, instead of just giving up and saying, all oh, this doesn't work, you said, well, okay, how can I make it work? What can I do to, to make this happen? Cause you, you, I, that's what I loved about your story is because you refuse to give up. 
even in the face of obstacles, right? So, um, you have a you have this realtor who's working for you now. What's her position? What does she do? Well, she's not uh, her her license is uh, is not active, and she's I mean she has a license, but it's it hasn't been active for a while. She's an older lady. She's in her fifties, and what she does is we initially started in San Diego. She was I would do the marketing. She would call the sellers, uh, you know, determine motivation, and then she would send me on appointments with the sellers. And uh, that has evolved since we started. Now everything's been done over the phone. I don't go on appointments anymore. None of my sales team go on appointments. Uh, Everything is uh, done over the phone. So you're not even, by the way, uh, I apologize. Alex had to take off. Something just came up. He texted me. but um, No problem. So you're not even seeing the house anymore, going to look at it. You're negotiating these things over the phone and getting them under contract on the phone. That's right. Yep. You're not so, supposed to be able to do that. It's not supposed to be that easy, Louise. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, well, I mean, it, it just kind of, I'm going to be honest, Joe. It, it, it wasn't something intentional. It just kind of evolved into into that process and that system um mainly because uh i you know normally she would i would just ask her hey what appointments do we have for this week and uh, then she just started coming in with the contracts you know right off the bat without without having to go to the appointments and i mean that was only in san diego and as we started venturing out to other markets i mean it was everything is over the phone well, we don't we don't have a local you know boots on the ground. I know a lot of people say you know they like to have boots on the ground, and I agree. You know it's definitely, um, and I'm sure we would probably lock up a deal or two that we're not locking up because of it. But you know at the end of the day, it's working out. All right. So tell me again, how many people do you have on staff in your office right now? Right now we have four people. We have uh, Maria, which is a sales manager. She trains the new salespeople, shows them, you know, how to work the leads, what to say, how to call them, coaches them on negotiating and all that. Um, we have an office manager, which handles all the paperwork, follows up with escrows, talks with agents, uh, and I'll get a little bit about uh, into that because we're listing a lot of our wholesale properties on the MLS mm. right, right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have another girl named Megan. And she's uh, she works the phone as well, and then we have another girl named Jennifer, and she is she works the MLS, so she's talking to agents, you know, trying to get pocket listings and things like that. Okay, cool. I want to ask you some questions about all that. Yeah. So, talk about the uh, number one. I guess talk about what marketing is working for you right now, Louise. Direct mail is working for us. Um, Direct mail, we've been doing that from day one. Uh, we have switched our strategy a little bit. Um, definitely have ramped up in the, in the marketing as well. Uh, we, we market to absentee owners we have, we're mainly, and uh, we also market to owner-occupants with 40% equity or more. Uh, those are pretty much our bread and butter. I mean, we get a lot of calls. Obviously, the majority are not motivated, but you know, when you find the 
you know, like Alex says, the power of one, all you need is one motivated seller to make a, a deal happen. Um, we also have been doing uh, probate and a little bit of niche marketing. Um, and we're just getting started um, doing some vacant houses as well. Okay, so I want to ask you about vacant houses later too. Like how are you finding mm -hmm. them and all that stuff? Absolutely. Um, so are you doing any kind of bandit signs or, or um, posting ads on Google pay-per-click or Craigslist, things like that? No, I'm, I'm honestly, no, we're not Joe. Um, we, we've, like I said, we've tried that as well. And um, th mainly the thing that works is direct mail. I mean, yeah. that's what, that would, that's what gives us the leads. I mean, we have, I mean, we were sending about 50,000 plus, you know, between 50 to 60,000 uh, letters or postcards per month. Are you kidding me? That's uh, awesome. That, yeah. And that just gives us so many leads um, to the point where, you know, that's why I contacted you to get Podio because we were getting some, some stuff that was falling through the cracks, hangups mainly. Yeah. So that's why we, we wanted to kind of tighten up the ship a little bit. Smart. But, uh, yeah. Direct mail is, is working. It's been working. There's definitely more competition now. I mean, we do get feedback from the sellers saying, you know, I got, you know, five, ten postcards here as well, you know, so, you know, why should I go with you? So, I mean, it's, and it's mainly the salesperson that's going to make that distinction as to who the seller is going to go with. Okay. You know, how they talk to the seller, how they, how they built that rapport and, um, you know, because people do business with, with people they like and trust, right? For sure. Especially if you're doing it over the phone, you have that much more work to do, kind of, on building that trust with them, right? Oh, yeah. So oh, do yeah. you do you kind of mix it up between postcards and yellow letters? We do. We do. Uh, we, we were doing, we've been doing letters for about the last six months. I was doing postcards almost all 2013. And then when the response rate, especially here in California, the response rate dropped significantly. That's when I switched my mail piece and we started doing letters. Okay. And, um, we, we do it locally with a company and it, I mean, it's, it's a letter. It has a window on the envelope, but it's a yellow letter and it costs us about the same as a postcard if we send it bulk mail. So oh. we're, we're at about, a, about 43 cents a pop for a letter. And the response is between seven to nine percent. So that's pretty good for here in California. That's really good. And this letter yeah. is it a is it personalized? Do you say, "Dear Miss Smith, we want to buy your house at One Two Three oh, yeah. Main Street"? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've never been into the um, kind of advertising type marketing. We're always just personalized. Um, you know, you know, dear John. You know, I, I you know, I've been you know, trying to reach you. Um, Typical, very personal, try to hit the emotional side of it. Um, we've also been trying the, we've been sending out a, a postcard and it's kind of something that we're just testing right now. And uh, it's mainly just, you know, sending out a postcard and says, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about your property. Mm, I've you heard know, of that, that postcard. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah, you know, so and I've talked to Todd Toback about that. 
He absolutely hates that postcard. And, really? Um, yeah, he sent it. He sent quite a large quantity one time. The, the, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's a kind of a generic postcard that says, hey, we've been trying to reach you about your house at 123 Main Street. It's really important that we talk with you. Give a call this 24-hour recorded phone. Okay? So it doesn't say anything on there about why we're sending them the postcard. It's just, hey, we want to talk with you about your house at 123 Main Street. And then they call a 24-hour recorded voicemail, and it's a two to three, maybe four-minute long message about, you know, we're investors, we want to buy their house. Is that right? Exactly. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. people either love that or hate it. And uh, uh, Sean Terry also mailed that postcard. Hates it because you get so many angry calls with it. But then I have friends yeah. who love it and swear by it because they get so many angry calls with it, right? It's like, man, exactly. I don't care why they're calling. I just want them on the phone. I want their, I want a phone number. So the more calls mm-hmm. I can get, the better. They also call all the hangups. They call the people who did leave a message. And uh, you will get deals out of it. But anyway, Todd was telling you me. You know, I, 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 I like that postcard for niche-type marketing. Yeah, okay. Uh, because, um, and I've tested it already. You know, the ones where, you know, I want to buy your house and all that, I got almost zero response on our probates. And we sent the, you know, the, you know, I just want to call, talk to you about your property. And we got about a 10% response. That's phenomenal. That's really good. Yeah. Todd did come back with his uh, tail between his legs and uh, said, oh, wow. uh, Joe, I got to, I got to tell you something. I just, I just did a deal from your postcards and I got like uh, $60,000. <laughs> wholesale fee. Wow. And I said, okay, well, where's my check? Where's my commission? Are you going to right, pay? You know, right. I didn't get any, but, um, it, yeah, that, that postcard works, but it's, it's, it's how you work the leads. Right. And you have the systems in place to do Absolutely. the follow up, And so it's not for everybody. Absolutely. The person on the phone is, sorry to interrupt Joe, is, is crucial. I mean, they need to know how to talk to sellers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, it's up, if, if they don't know already, then it's up to you to, you know, to coach them and teach them, you know, the basics. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's all about making offers, you know, you got to have them make offers, but you know, the leads are coming in, offers are being sent out, you know, you're bound to put properties under contract. Yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you about that to see how you do that. And your process yeah. for that. I'm hoping I can get all of this in one episode. This is really good. So um, th- I can't believe, too, you're sending this, you're using this mailhouse, and it's like 45 cents a letter. Does that include printing and mailing it? Printing and mailing, yeah. That's out the door. Holy gosh. And so that's. Uh, and, that's... and the reason is, is because it's bulk mail and uh, it's only yellow paper, black ink. But honestly, I've tried them both. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, at least in, in the markets that we're in. And, uh, you know, it's a letter. You're sending out letters for the price of a postcard. And I think the way, the reason I can, that we're able to do that is because we're doing, we're just using a local mailhouse. You know, they send, you know, they print for all kinds of other realtors and companies and businesses. And we just took our mail piece and say, how much, you know, can you send this out for? Is it handwritten or is it typed? It's handwritten, but, uh, well, it's handwritten font, but it's, it's just right. printed out. Nice. And it's not the lined paper. It's not like you're 
printing it on lined paper to try to make it look like. But it's just yellow paper. Well, it is. It is yellow paper with lines, okay. and then it's got the handwritten stuff. Really cool. And it has the envelope has a window in it, so the address is is um, exact handwritten or typed yeah. in the in the address window. No, it's typed in the letter, so that's why the window's there. Because otherwise, it, yeah, I think the price would go up significantly. That is really cool. And it's cool if you're doing, you know, volume. And it really, you can really tell the difference. I mean, either way, I mean, I would suggest anybody would go out, you know, go shop around your local mail houses and, uh, you know, ask them how much postcards are. Postcards are around 30 some cents. I'm using somebody local here. And the guy that I found was charging me 42 cents. And I found another company that is only charging 33 cents. And then I came back to him and he said, I'll match that price then. Um, But I'm always testing new things. You know, there is no magic bullet out there, right, guys? I mean, you just got to send something for heaven's sake. Stop wasting time trying to figure it out. Just send something. And you can always tweak it and change it later. Just get something out the door. But a lot of times, you know, that list that you have, you've already mailed them four or five times. You need to mix it up. So start thinking about something else. Start sending maybe yellow letters or typed letters. I've heard people swear by just having typed formal letters, you know, with their picture in the logo that's typed. And um, mm-hmm. those those work well, too. So just mix it up and, and um, send something. That's my advice, I guess, I would give to people. Would you agree? Absolutely. I agree 100%. Take, I mean, the bottom line is take action. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to get it perfect. Just get it going, right? Right, okay. right. You know, take action and, uh, you know, fortune favors the bold. Good. Um, Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. So you're you're sending about 50,000 pieces of mail a month on average. Um, you told me before you're doing about six deals a month on average. Is that right? Some months you'd be me better? Right, right. So some months are good. Uh, you know, so we've been, I mean, some of the months in, in this year, it's been, I think, like 10 11 properties that were closing that same month. Sometimes it's, you know, two or three, but the average is about six a month. Nice. If you average it out. Yeah. Our philosophy is, um, you know, we want to, you know, cause every, a lot of people, is, you know, they, they, they make a decision to go deeper in, in, in a market. And what I mean by deeper is higher marketing, you know, going, finding other lead sources, niche marketing in your own market. And that's all great. But the way we kind of decided to do it is we just go into other markets that we know, that we know are viable. There's, there's a lot of buyers, there's a lot of sellers. And, uh, you know, we try to just pick up the easy deals that are ready to be picked up every single month. Nice. So So, you're, you're keeping it simple. And if you don't mind me sharing or asking, uh, what what are some of the markets? Because you're in San Diego right now. What are some of the other markets you're working in? And why did you why did you pick those markets, Luis? Um, we're in Riverside, San Bernardino, Sacramento, and uh, Clark County, Vegas. And we dabble in L.A. as well, but we only stick to 500000 and below. And pretty much in every market. But the reason I went to those and San Diego, obviously the reason we went to those markets is because I would consider those markets with what I would call wholesale markets. Okay. You know, there's, there's uh retail markets like 
you know, San Diego, Los Angeles, a lot of, you know, very desirable markets where price points are high. Those are what I would call retail markets. And uh, I, we want to be in wholesale markets where you find, you know, vacant houses, abandoned properties. You know, you, you find uh, boarded up houses, cheap houses, you know, that you can just scoop up easily. You know, those type of markets tend to give up the deals more easily than, um, you know, being in a retail market. I wonder if every, every market's different, obviously, but I know in St. Louis, generally speaking, you want to stay away from the boarded up vacant neighborhoods because those properties are just harder to sell. What you're looking though, is you see in California, there's a demand for those houses, right? Absolutely. So you, yep. you need to go where the demand is, go where the buyers are. Because uh, in St. Louis, mm-hmm. I mean, I couldn't sell these properties for two grand. I've tried it before. <laughs> I could not even sell these properties for $2,000. Why? Because, well, they need 15, 20 grand in work just to get rent ready. Right. And then number two, to find a contractor willing to work there and do that kind of work, too hard to do because things get stolen all the time. And then three, the, how should I say this? You just don't get as good of a quality application typically in those neighborhoods. It's just not an area where people want to live, right? Right. The people that live right. there, you know, kind of have to live there, I guess. I don't know. I should shut up. But it's not a, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, there, but you still at the same time, you want to stay away from the retail markets. Um, you want to go to the wholesale markets. So in California, that would be the Riverside areas. Um, mm-hmm. If you're in the Midwest, that's probably not going to be the the worst of the areas. That's probably going to be somewhere, you know, good blue-collar neighborhoods, I think, is what you're trying to say. Right, Luis? Right, right, right. Okay. I mean, obviously, it would be different, um, you know, in, in, in different markets. One, as you head out east, you know, you want to be – in you know, in a lot of those areas, you know, like St. Louis, you know, Indianapolis, places like that. But you want to, I, I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't gone out there, but I bet you need to kind of stay in the, you know, middle to upper social classes uh, to be able to do deals, right? Right. Because the the investor you're selling to, are, are they the landlords or are they guys that are going to fix and sell these things? Mainly fix and flip. I'd say about... 80% fix and flip, 20% landlords. In, in Clark, there is a lot of landlords that we sell to. Well, that's crazy. Las Vegas is another whole <laughs> crazy yeah. beast because you pull up any one zip code in Las Vegas and you look in Zillow at all the rental properties that are listed for rent right now, it's like insane. Take a, take oh, yeah. a normal city. I've done this before just recently. Take a normal zip code in a normal city like, I don't know, Des Moines, Iowa. And you pull up a zip and you'll find maybe 20 properties listed for rent there. You go to Las Vegas and look at a same size zip with the same average number of houses, okay? You'll see a couple hundred. It's insane oh, wow. how many rental properties are out there. But my point in all of this is you're finding out where the demand is, right? I'm going to guess. You're knowing because you have a great buyer's list. Absolutely. You know from talking to them, from from just on your own marketing, where they are, where they want to buy their homes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we focus on, uh, you know, just areas where the buyers are buying. 
Right. And uh, which brings me to uh, something that I want to share, something that's been working for us, because as we go into new markets, you know, it takes a while to, to build a quality buyer's list. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not overnight. So, you know, and, and the deals, we lock them up pretty quickly. You know, and we, we do a campaign. We're going to lock up, you know, a few deals. So we need to have somebody to, to sell them to. And maybe, you know, it's, it's too quickly to have an established buyer's list. So what we do as we go into other markets, you know, and maybe if anybody's contemplating on doing it, first off, we try to find other wholesalers in the area. Mm-hmm. And because uh, they already have an established buyer's list and, you know, they're going to help you. You're going to help them. It'll be a win-win and you can get that property sold. And number two, we try to find an agent or a broker that's willing to list our properties for us for a small fee. That's the catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pay in between 500 to a thousand bucks, similar to a flat fee listing, but they're actually selling their properties. They're taking the calls, you know, they're talking to the buyers, they're sending you the offers. And I mean, they get the property sold. So the MLS has been a big tool that we've been using in every single one of our markets to get the property sold um, fast. And uh, not only that, probably usually at a higher price than uh, other investors on our list would have paid. Nice. And uh, the only little catch to that is, you know, there's a lot, there's a little bit more drama. And what I mean by drama is, um, you know, not everybody understands what you're doing. So a buyer's agent will come and then they, you know, they, they, they know that, you know, the property is an invest, you know, it's under contract, you're trying to wholesale it. And a lot of times you have to end up educating that agent if they don't know what's going on. So do you do a double closing? Do you do an assignment fee? How do you? We do, we do double closings on anything above 10,000, 10,000 and below we do assignments. Even on MLS properties, you're getting away with doing assignments? On, on MLS properties, all we need to do an assignment is an addendum. An addendum, just for anybody that doesn't know it, there is a modification to a contract. Um, and we just say, uh, you know, this property will is a, will be an assignment. Um, you know, purchase price shall be a hundred thousand. Assignment fee to be ten thousand. Total purchase price of the property is one hundred and ten thousand. So and then, uh, that's phenomenal. Now these are good deals. So basically, you you are at the position of strength in the at the negotiating table, I guess you'd say, because you can tell yeah, the realtor, I mean, look, this is the way it is. Find a way to make it work, or I'll sell it to someone else. Right? Absolutely. And I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Even if we don't have any other buyer on the table, we're gonna take that approach because mm-hmm. it's all about attitude and uh, you know being confident in what you're doing. And, and that's when, you know, when you make stuff happen, you know, if, if you're kind of letting them control the situation, it's, you're going to have a hard time. That's really um, good. So even, I mean, normally we try to see every deal. I mean, I'm sure, you know, when you have a deal and you have buyers lining up, like, you know, if that one doesn't work out, you got like 10 more. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the attitude we want to have, even when we don't have anybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, at the end of the day, if they don't buy it, we'll just say, all right, let's do it. <laughs> you know, right. And you don't lose anything by, uh, you know, trying to, to make the deal work. 
I think for some reason that kind of scares people. I can't list my ML. I can't list my wholesale deal on the MLS. They'll find out that I'm not the real owner. <laughs> but right. Well, there's a clause, and we have in our contracts that allows us and uh, to list the property. Uh huh. And the clause pretty much just reads, you know, we have the contract, purchase price, all all that stuff. And then there's a little clause that says, buyers shall be able to display property on public websites and databases, including the MLS. Nice. And uh, we've had, I mean, we've had our share of, um, you know, sellers that, you know, try to, you know, they come back and say, hey, my property's on the MLS. And, uh, you know, if they don't like it, We've really never had a problem. We've had maybe one or two sellers that have had a problem with it, you yeah. know, but uh, and if they do, we'll remove it. But um, normally, you know, it doesn't really matter. They want to get the deal done and that's all that really matters. But somebody's going to say, somebody's going to say, Luis, well, you got it under contract for 75 and you're advertising it for 90. Aren't they going to know? Aren't you worried about what they'll think? Well, and we've had had that happen in the past, and uh, honestly, we just tell them, "Look, we're going to pay commissions, we're going to pay closing costs, uh, and we also, you know, we're running a business. We need to make some money. You're going to net the amount that uh, you know that we have on the contract." But to be honest, Joe, it rarely ever happens. I mean, I could yeah. probably, I can't even remember, you know, the time that it did. Yeah, um, that's good. You know that 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 clause will will protect you in case you have an issue. Good. You had talked before about, um, I'm looking through my notes here. You talked before, I think, oh yeah, vacant properties. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you're doing right now to find vacant properties? Well, mainly uh, what we're doing, and I got this from another gentleman at CG. Uh, He kind of were talking about it. I kind of, you know, modified it a little bit. So, you know, you have your list that you're going to mail to. You're always getting returned mail, mm-hmm. right? So the ones that get returned. Was this guy named Mark- Billy? Yeah. Billy. Oh. <laughs> Those of you, we maybe we should just not record this. <laughs> maybe we should like just gloss over. Okay, Bill. <laughs> Some of you are wondering, um, what is CG? It's It's really, it's a top secret uh boys club but there's girls in it uh it's just a mastermind that uh Luis and I are in um that with some really cool successful investors that are in it and um it's a really really cool group it's not cheap it's expensive to get in you have to kind of be invited to get in but anyway <laughs> you you're you're talking about Billy um and this is really cool so everybody needs to listen up Go ahead. How, well, so what do you do with this re, with this return mail? So the return mail, um, there's there's two ways that we we're doing it, and one of them is the return mail that we get. Uh, we use a software, um, you know, TLO. That's the one we use, which is a skip tracing software. And this is pretty much, you know, you can find uh, people's phone numbers. You can find you know, where they live, where pretty much everybody's history, but you need, you know, you need to kind of go through a screening process to, to get the, the service. There's, there's other services like Intellius is one of them, right? Right, 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 right. I've never used Intellius, mm-hmm. but I've heard of it. Okay. Um, so we get the mail back and, uh, and then we have one of our sales reps just go through 
and um, contact the owners from the return mail. Yeah. Uh, you could see, you could think it's a laborious process. Yes, it, it's, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time, but these are the leads that you want to talk to. Yeah. I mean, these are the unreachable sellers. These are the sellers that, you know, own property that that's, you know, vacant and, um, you know, not only that, but their mailing address, nobody's reaching them. Yeah. So you're reaching them and, uh, and then you have a chance to, you know, to make them an offer on the property. This is huge. Um, so how many deals would you say you do a month from these kinds of properties? Well, honestly, we've only done two right now, Joe, because okay. we kind of just started like three months ago. Yeah. Since August. Um, so, but they were great deals and, um, it was a uh, one boarded up house in Sacramento mm-hmm. and another one in Vegas that just had a, you know, the seller, you know, pretty much forgot about the property. Um, I mean, these are the deals that you want to be looking for. I mean, oh, yeah. especially when, when competition gets tight and things like that, you know, you need to find a way to, you know, to separate yourself or, or do what a lot of people are not willing to do. Yeah. Uh, to make it happen. And, um, and not only that, I mean, you're looking for motivated sellers and this is where, where you'll find them. You right. Know? Uh, another way is, uh, you can get your list that you're going to mail to and you can run it through. There's a few systems out there. Um, I like a system called Melissa data and Melissa data.com. And that one, you run your list and it'll tell you, which properties are vacant and then you can just do the same process and contact the sellers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, if you just, if you're curious, if you're in, you know, any of my markets that doesn't work, it just, it doesn't work in San Diego or Sacramento. No. It only worked that one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So, that's something that we're just kind of starting to do too. And um, speaking of there's, there's a, uh, I've have heard of other people that will post ads on Craigslist and uh, just have people drive neighborhoods looking for vacant properties. And instead of paying them on a, um, if it turns into a deal, they'll pay them for every vacant property they, they bring to them. And that's another thing you should think about too, if you're wanting to target vacant properties, but think about it. These are owners that own vacant property. It's not doing anything for them right now. And nobody else is reaching them because any mail that they're getting is being, is bouncing back. Um, that is, uh, that's really, really cool. And I'm, I'm guessing Melissa data maybe gets that information from, um, the post office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when there's a, yeah. some kind of hold or something's going on with the mail and that's not always a hundred percent accurate either. Um, but right. It's, exactly. it's definitely a great place to start. Very cool. Now, Joe, one last thing I want to add. Um, you know, you always used to ask or ask um, if you were dropped into a city, Yeah. you know, with nothing or how would you get going? This is for anybody that's trying to get in into real estate and you have no money for marketing. You have none of that. Literally, if that was, if I was in that situation at this point, I would just drive around and look for the, you know, the, the vacant, ugly houses. 
Mm. That's where you want to be at. That's and, good. uh, you know, especially if you don't have money for marketing, you know, that's really good. And you can always hire people to do that for you and, and, or pay them a commission if they find something. I want to ask you real quick, um, Luis, cause you've been real gracious with your time here. Um, talk a little bit about the process you have your sales guys go through. So you're closing these deals over the phone. You, you know, you, you ask the standard questions while you're on the phone. What's the least you take? Can you go any lower than that? You get their motivation, right? But what's, how are you getting these contracts actually signed? What's the process you're doing to do that? Well, um, we treat, first of all, we treat every lead as gold in the office. I don't care if it's a hang up or, you know, sellers leaving messages. Call, marketing goes out, calls come into um, to a phone system where the phone numbers get recorded. We use a uh, freedom voice still, but we're going to be switching to, you know, the Podio. Um, you can and, still keep uh, freedom voice with Podio. Oh, okay. We'll talk about that offline. So, yeah. So the calls come in and, um, the salesperson gets, you know, go logs into their database and they make, you know, they, they, they call the people with messages first, you know, they, they ask the basic questions, um, you know, how much are you asking everything, you know, the whole, we have a script that they go through and everybody gets an offer. So we have, um, a virtual assistant actually that if the lead is not, you know, it's not too motivated, you know, they're asking too much or, or you know, we put them in a folder and we have them and, and we just write down the offer amount on, on the lead. And we have a VA that goes in she's actually in the U S and she either faxes emails or mails them an offer. Nice. Um, and, um, so everybody's getting an offer. And then, uh, if, if it's a lead that, you know, they're in the range, you know, we, we, there's, there's possibility that we, that it could be a deal. Um, once we come to an agreement on price, we send them the offer and we pretty much, I mean, we, we, we don't just send the offer and hope they send it back. We, we just make sure, you know, with an upfront agreement, okay, if I send you the offer right now, when can I, when, when will I have it back in, you know, in my inbox? And, you know, they'll tell you, you know, I'll probably send it to you by tomorrow. Well, can we get it maybe by the end of the day? Cause I really need to, you know, get escrow open and things like that. Sometimes the sellers don't have, uh, email or fax. So we actually send them to like a Kinko's or a FedEx location. We Google the, you know, the, the closest one to them. And then we have them go over there and we send them the contract and they sign it and send it back right away. Why don't you send a notary to them? Well, that's another thing that we could do. We just well, I I got that idea yeah. from Todd Toback, our our mutual friend. Um, mm-hmm. Think about it. If and I think he's doing that for every contract now. Um, if you go to one two three notary dot com, I think is what it is, or one two three notary dot net, something like that. Just Google one two three notary. Um, it gives you a database of notaries all over the country. And if you're doing deals in in uh, Riverside, you could probably find a notary for a fee, obviously, that would be right. willing to drive to that person's house and get that contract signed. And um, mm, you that's can pr- a really good idea. You can probably pay a little more, but the cool thing about that is, you know, they're going yes. there, they're going to get something signed, and that that guy is just a notary. They're not 
going to, you know, they can't negotiate anything with the seller or um, they're just there to get something signed. <clears throat> right, right. We're actually going to do that from here on. Yep, that's a brilliant idea. That way, again, <laughs> it's just, it, it, and it's also official. They put their stamp on there. Yeah. You know, the seller realizes, oh, man, this is this is official and this is serious and I'm going to, I'm going to have to honor this contract now because it's been notarized. I can't go around. I can't go around Luis anymore. Um, Okay. So I didn't think of that. (laughs) That's, that's definitely a good one. Maybe that was a top secret trick. I shouldn't have said (laughs) to anybody. Um, So is there any kind of fancy script that you have your, your sales guys do, or is it just, no. Okay. Honestly, no, it's just, there's no secret sauce. It's just getting on the phone, talking to the seller, you know, determining their motivation and giving them an offer. It's not that complicated. And when you're doing a lot of marketing like you're doing, you're just taking off the low-hanging fruit. It's not like – it's not rocket science, right? Exactly. Um, but that's why it's so important to have as many leads in the pipeline as possible. So if a seller's giving you a hard time, you just say, all right, this probably is not for you. And you put them in your follow-up bin and you follow up with them later. But you're able to, your salespeople are not acting desperate like, oh man, I've got to get this deal if I'm going to eat dinner tonight. And uh, they are actually having that, uh, they're, they're in that strong position of, look, if this doesn't work out for you, that's fine. We've got a hundred other people to call right now. Um, maybe another time would be good. You're not, you're, you're playing the reluctant buyer in a sense, which I love that phrase. You're not desperate trying to make a deal out of a non-deal. You're not becoming the motivated buyer. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. So I agree hundred percent. Cool. Let me, I wanted to ask you something too, Luis, cause I know this is important in California. Um, do your sales guys speak Spanish? Is that important? Do you not worry about that or where do you, where are you at with that? I don't really worry about that. Okay. I mean, we've had, I could probably count the times when, you know, we've needed to intervene and speak Spanish to a seller. We don't really, a lot of our demographic is older, um, older people, you know, 60 plus, And, um, you know, they own property, you know, they've been landlords for a long time. You know, we get on more of that with the owner occupants, especially yeah. in San Diego. Okay. But, um, not, not too much to the point where we need, uh, to have somebody that speaks Spanish on the phone. Okay, cool. Now you also talked about getting deals from the MLS. You're you have somebody who's actually calling realtors. What are they doing there? Yeah, we're just pretty much calling. I mean, same thing. Uh, we're calling the realtors. Um, you know, we we get a list of pending properties on the MLS, and I have a guy. Well, I have a gal right now, but and she's calling them every day. Pretty much tell them, hey, you know, we're we have cash. We're we're we're, we're investors. We're looking for property. Uh, send me anything you have. After the first contact, they're put into a database, an autoresponder database that's uh, set out for a year. And they're getting. I know it's kind of aggressive. It's pretty aggressive, but they get two emails a week. Wow. Um, and uh, I mean, the goal is. You know, <laughs> pretty much whenever they think about a property they need to sell to some, an investor, I mean, they've been hearing from you twice a week that you're the first guy they're going to go to. And so, your emails are pretty simple, isn't it? Like just, hey, if you got yeah, a deal, just, let me know. Exactly. Exactly. 
one last thing that's probably going to make some difference is I think it's about the fourth or fifth email on the autoresponder. It's when the conversation was is pretty, still fresh. One of the emails says, Hey, I'd love to meet you. Uh, if you look, you know, if you're able to meet me tomorrow at 2 PM or, or, or let me know. Or, and then, you know, they actually meet with the realtor. Huh. Not all of them come, but, uh, you know, now she's, you know, now there's a, a connection. So That's that great. actually makes a difference. Um, you know, when they, when they, when they get a listing. and What per, what percent of your deals come from this, come from actual realtors sending you deals? Um, not too many. I mean, we maybe do about one a month on those. Okay. Yeah. And then all your, your salespeople, are they all commission based? They're all commission based, but I do pay them a refundable draw. Okay. I pay him eight dollars an hour. That is a draw against commission. That way, um, especially when they're starting out, um, if they, you know, they need gas money or you know they need to pay some bills, they have something, and then once they do a deal, or you know they they pay it back. Now, if you don't mind me asking, um, or maybe just use a range. What what kind of range do you pay them as a percent of the sale of the of the profit? We pay them ten percent. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that, Louise. <laughs> Why not, Joe? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, because now everybody thinks 10%, uh the sales manager gets paid 15%, but she oversees uh, you know, she trains them and she's kind of on top of the sales team. Okay. Cuz I, yeah. I the reason I said that is because everybody thinks and, and I've been guilty of this in the past. Well, no one would work for me for less than 25, 35% of the deal. But mm, yeah, obviously that's not true <laughs> because um, yeah, when, when I first hired, when I first hired my first sales acquisitions guy, um, I was paying him 50%. And then after I had started, we did, you know, five, 10 deals. I look at the numbers and I'm thinking, man, this guy's making more than I am because I'm paying all the marketing, right? He's doing all the work, but, this isn't right. So you can't go down in the commission, right? So I had to yeah. find, you know, we, we parted ways as friends. Um, and then I started paying my, my next guy 25%. And uh, it's, you know, it's if you're not doing a bunch of marketing and you're not doing a ton of deals, maybe 25% is where you need to be at. But if you're doing mm-hmm. a lot of marketing, you know the lead flow is coming in. Yeah, 10% on six deals a month. Um, if your average profit is 10, 20 grand, that's, that's really good money. Yeah. The sales manager, she does very well. And, um, you know, I've, you know, it's once they understand that you're actually paying, uh, you know, all this marketing, you know, you have that environment, that office environment for them to work in, you know, overhead. They under, I mean, I think they understand why you need to, you know, make that money because yeah. and pay them, 10% is a very fair uh, percentage for just locking up the deal. Because after that, they're pretty much hands-off unless they need something from the seller again. Right, and and you're the one providing the marketing. You're the one providing the buyers, the training. Exactly. So you're paying 10% to your sales guys and then 15% to your sales manager. Okay. Yeah, the sales manager, she gets 15%. So the office manager gets 15 bucks an hour? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, my assistants in St. Louis, did you hear that? 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay, man, Luis, that's been huge, man. You've guys, you've given us so much good information here, um, and I know we could spend another hour talking about how you find, hire, and train your sales managers, but um, I'm sure you've got some deals to do. What does your day look like, Luis? What? Tell me what your day looks like. I want to be honest, Joe. Um, I'm blessed to to be able to to be home with my family. Yeah. Um, every day I, we have the office, but I, I don't have an office at the, I mean, a, a room at the office. So it's, uh, I, it's just an environment for them to go work and, uh, you know, make a living. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm usually at home. I wake up around seven in the morning. And the first thing I do is, uh, I get right in my mind and in my spirit. You know, like I said, I, um, I believe in God. I thank him for a new day. I thank him for my family, for our health. And, um, you know, and then I visualize the day. Mm-hmm. I visualize everything, you know, kind of going great. Leads coming in, you know, happy with the family. And uh, I visualize myself giving, you know, I, I tithe, which is... Um, 10% of everything that we make. Uh, and that's, I really, really encourage anybody that, that it's, I, you know, that's struggling at all, start giving, you know, yeah. start giving them anything. You know, if you don't have money, give, you know, give of you, you know, go help somebody out, go volunteer. And I guarantee something in your life is going to change in a positive way. Um, you know, it's all, you know, you, you get what you give. And, um, and I'm a firm believer in that. And I truly believe and know that if I wouldn't, this business has turned me into, you know, God through this business has turned me into a a generous giving person because I know if it wasn't because I, I, you know, I'm a giver, we wouldn't be receiving that many blessings, uh, you know, the way we do. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's crucial in, in my life and every day is to set my foundation, get my mind right, get my spirit right. And, um, and then anything that th- gets thrown at me throughout the day, uh, you know, I can, I can deal with it. Um, and I promise you that when I don't do this, these things, and I just kind of start off the day, you know, making the phone calls and emails and all that, it makes a huge difference. Um, and, uh, so after that, you know, I, I get a little workout in and, uh, and then I go back home and, you know, just kind of handle business on the phone and spend time with the family. <laughs> That's awesome, Luis. That's yeah. uh, really cool. Is there anything else you want to just add? Well, Joe, I just want to say, um, it's a true honor. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And uh, I hope I I brought some value to uh, to the podcast. That's awesome, um, Luis. I know you're a busy guy. Um, is it okay if we maybe put your um, uh, some contact information to if somebody wants to get a hold of you? Maybe an email address. Can we put that in the show notes? Absolutely. You can also go to localhousedealer.com. Okay, good. And uh, you can just shoot me an email through there, and I'll get back to you localhousedealer.com. Okay, I'm not going to put your email on the website then. I'll just 
that uh, guys go to localhousedealer.com if you want to get more information about Luis. Um, well, man, that's thank you so much. I know this podcast has gone long, everybody. Appreciate your patience. And uh, Luis, we appreciate you. And uh, thank you for sharing so generously, man. I appreciate it. Joe, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, take care and God bless. Okay, everybody, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Let us know what you think about this episode. Did you like it? You know, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Leave us a comment on the show notes. Let us know if you have any questions. That may be a good place for, if a question comes in there for Luis, I'll send it to him. And um, that'll be cool. All right, guys. See you later. Take care. Bye-bye.